sorry to be blunt, but it's a mental health issue not to frigging develop yourself. It is a mental health issue not to frigging go out and grow and expand and to want to learn about becoming healthier. Why take the advice from a medical doctor that wants to pump you full of drugs when actually there's other ways to naturally do it? Why go into a divorce when there's a way to actually work on the relationship, to heal the relationship through personal growth and become an amazing person? Why would you not want to redesign and redevelop your belief systems and your values so you can grow and have another amazing 30 years and your children can be inspired by you to follow in those footsteps instead of a set of self-beliefs or self-destructive beliefs that make them want to be the opposite to you but at the same time unconsciously they want to be the same as you. Hello this is Dr. Rowe and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello, Growth Tribes listeners. It is Harms here, and I'm here again with Dr. Rowe, and we are tackling a very hot topic at the moment, a very hot topic. And that question is, why are so many young people associated with mental health issues now more than ever and Ro you have coached so many people now including myself and there's a stigma attached to mental health and all the things associated with it so I'm going to break this because it's a very large question but I wanted to present you with three actionable questions that we can cover one is how do you identify it how do you identify somebody has a mental health issue number two where does it come from and number three, how do we tackle this? How do we tackle it? So mm. um, three three questions. I, I imagine we're going to explore it through the podcast. But you, with your experience, you've coached so many people now. How do you identify this? Yeah. And hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again today. And this is a very, very, very hot topic. We're seeing it frontline as well. We're seeing it in the media, newspapers and radio, TV talking about it. I just want to add a spin on this and say, I used to be told that I was a bit overly upbeat. People say you've got a bit of a mental health issue in that I was too positive. So when we talk about a mental... <laughs> When you talk about a mental health issue, what does that actually mean? We automatically attach a negative association with it, but that without saying, well, hold on a minute, they're too positive. That's a bit of a mental health issue. So by the very fact that somebody feels a bit down, we, we label it with a mental health issue. Uh, so an issue can be a positive issue or a negative issue. It's just how I think it's emphasized. But but we are definitely talking today about the challenges that people are having on an emotional level. So I want yeah. to change the context in this and change the wording. So if you're listening to this, you may or may not think you have, quote unquote, a mental health issue. But let's let's put, I think you're right to ask the question, how do I identify it? 
let's try and put some context around it as well. I think anyone, and I've gone through this myself, anyone facing emotional challenges, uh, any sense of they're just not feeling right in themselves and it's affecting the way they behave on a day-to-day basis, how they interact with other human beings, how they engage with the world, how their life just passes by and suddenly a blur of a year or six years or three months or whatever has gone by and they're just not felt fully engaged with life around them. I consider that to be an emotional challenge, an emotional issue, or if you want to give it a more clinical name, a mental health issue, albeit that we've got mental health issues, everything from somebody that's feeling down right through to somebody who's being incredibly close to suicide, if not having attempted suicide. So that's the breadth of the spectrum. Um, You asked, how could you identify it? Okay, so if anyone's sitting here feeling any of these things, this is likely to mean that you're you're experiencing some kind of emotional challenges. If you want to call it a mental health issue for, for another term, then you can call it that as well. But stress is a huge one in today's society. Any level of stress that you're feeling on a, on a constant and consistent basis, not just the occasional stress because you've got a busy day, but this is where you're feeling continually stressed anxiety every situation you face anytime you face a challenge or something that puts a little bit of pressure on you and you're feeling anxious how do i deal with that i'm not sure what i do you start to lock down you have a pattern you start twitching or you start scratching yourself or you start to you're not even present with somebody because you're just constantly thinking about the problem depression feeling low on a consistent and regular basis you don't see a positive side to anything you're feeling your energy's flat you don't have the motivation to go and do exercise to uh, to make love to engage with people to even be present with the people around you hopelessness meaningless in what you're doing so a sense of every day i'm doing the same thing and i just don't see any purpose to this so that's a big one actually lack of purpose i'm just the word apathy apathy fall into this these uh, yeah these brackets as well yeah i mean i think apathy in a deep way, there's there's a difference between thinking, oh, I just can't be bothered to do this and being apathetic there versus being numb, i.e. Mm. constantly feeling apathetic. There's just no, this is where the hopelessness and, and the meaningless comes in. You just don't have any desire whatsoever to do that. You almost feel a resistance to it. You're going into work or you're in a relationship and it's just not where you want it to be and, and you just ha- you, you cannot find a way to engage with that person or be with that person but unfortunately you also can't find a way to get out of that relationship as well which leads to hopelessness uh, and so- I can share I, I mean for the listeners at home I can share my later in the podcast if we have time I'll share my situation which is not a situation from the past which is not relationship based but is actually in my work um, and if we have time I'll share my situation where I felt something very similar to that last okay. part you just mentioned that would be good, actually. Well, maybe at the end of this list. So I'm just I'm just listing out in my brain some of the things that I know that we come across. Another one is lockdown or closed down, where I've seen people literally, I see in my audiences, they come into an audience, they're dragged by a partner and they're not in a good place. They're either, they're having quote unquote a mental health issue, emotional. And so they're just locked down. They can't communicate. They can't associate with other people. There's a complete disassociation. So lockdown, closed down, disassociation, uh, a lack of disassociation or non-association if you don't understand disassociation you you can't associate you can't you can't connect with other people around you and in fact all you want to do is be on your own so that comes down to not caring comes down to apathy any of these things and then add to that self-harm so there's a sense of i want to i want to harm myself i I, I, you're you're drinking a lot more than you should be you're possibly taking sedatory drugs or even possibly taking just um, social drugs to 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 numb yourself you might be smoking more Uh, any number of things that you're doing to to lock out reality 
and to try and disassociate anything like that is classified now as, as having some kind of link to mel- mental health issues. I don't know if that helps give a broad picture. You, and if you listen to this, you're probably thinking, well, I have several of those occasionally. That's one thing. But if you're consistently living in that place, that's a very different thing altogether. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a fantastic way to very quickly identify immediately if, if you are are suffer- suffering of some sort of emotional uh, disconnect or some sort of emotional stress and exactly everything described there. So if you are feeling a certain way like that, or you know somebody around you in your close circle, which you love, have affection for, is feeling like that, or you can observe that from them, then this podcast should hopefully help massively. Yeah. Harms, well, let's stay on that point. So what, what, go back to your story. It's something in the, from the past. When was it? What point in history? What sort of age okay, group so, as well? So when I was about 26, and this is what, what fascinated me when I, when I reflect back on it is, is it's get, so this, these mental health issues and uh, however you want to label it, it's getting, uh, people are experiencing it younger and younger and younger. So when I experienced this at 26, uh, I couldn't believe it. I thought this is something only happens to people in a midlife crisis. Why on earth is a 25, 26 year old feeling the way I felt? And it, it basically, so if, if you just imagine my situation, I was working in a career which I was not passionate about. Yeah. Um, I started to feel this way um, about year seven. Um, and I had another three, three more years before I shifted from a career into a, a business world. And I just wasn't passionate about it. Things around me started to feel meaningless. I would wake up in the last seconds just so I made it on time to work. Um, There were certain times in the year where I would just sit in the car park for about half an hour before I actually walked into the office. And to put it into context, I used to manage a team of 40 people. So I would sit in the car for about half an hour before I even entered into the workspace, just sitting there um, trying to distract myself from reality. So it started when I was sitting in the car and I would just scroll through social media. I would sit in the car for about 15, 20 minutes, scrolling through Instagram, mm. looking at other people's amazing lives, which right. I thought they were just living amazing lives. I was just scrolling, 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 which is why even in our digital marketing company, I'm always very conscious about how much interaction people have with social media. That's a separate topic. Yeah. But I would just sit there and scroll. I'll scroll and scroll just to, just to do anything apart from get into that office space. And... It got to a point where I, one day I must, it was about 5.30, 6.30, I would already been at work for more than two hours than I was contracted to uh, because of all the, you know, work pressures and things like that. And I just found myself walking out of the office and sitting in my car and I just broke down into tears. And it was just literally just sat there. And I, and I think I sat there for half an hour and then rather than do the right thing and just go home, I went back into the office and just fin- tried to finish my work. And I, Gee, and fuck. that was a big turning point for me where I said, what am I doing? Every stress or something is, is rooted from something. So for me, it wasn't a case that I couldn't handle the work or couldn't handle the workload that was given to me. I'm, I, was, I was quite competent at what I was doing. I'd been doing it for 10 years. The challenge was, it just, it just wasn't who I, who I was. I was not an engineer. Uh, I was a creative by nature. I was a free spirit by nature. I really struggled to live within these rules and this red tape. And it, it was just started to become meaningless. And when you're starting to do something day after day for about three years and you feel it's meaningless, 
you just get to a point and you just crack and you just you just like okay that enough is yeah. enough and that was yeah. it so the feelings there so i i i resonate massively with people and i can quickly identify it now in people and i just and yeah. i can and i and i get i i get where they're coming from but i think the important thing is where does it come from which is actually question number 2 where where does that come from but, yeah it's a good question i i think just but i i hadn't actually heard you share that before it's the first time i think you've ever shared that openly with anybody uh, in this sure. space anyway yeah, um, sure. so i hadn't appreciated quite that's where you were i know when i met you you were hungry i think you'd gone through a transition and this was almost like a chance to see an opportunity uh, but prior to that everything was leading you up to the the first time we met that's what i believe now from what you've told me for um, sure yep yep and and yes yeah, so, and it was i think it's important to tackle the certain issues when the certain questions arise and i know there's going to be other people listening knowing they may be in a similar situation so they're not alone and, and harms it's you know you're the youngest i've dealt with is 12 so and there you uh, go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you were on an event with me two years ago where I was asked to help out with a young lady who was 13 years of age. She had stopped mm. eating. I mean, I haven't talked about this, but she had stopped eating. So that's the other big indicator is eating behavior. So the minute people stop eating or eating crap shit food and they're just literally not looking after themselves, she had physically stopped eating at 13 for two weeks two mm. weeks i mean literally starving herself and so she wasn't communicating she was being bullied at school and that was leading to uh, just a sense of no one's listening to me couldn't communicate so of course the best way to get attention without people realizing it is to then do something extreme and with extreme behavior comes an extreme response you suddenly get the attention and there's a whole psychology behind this in its own right i've i've dealt with people as young as 13 right through to people in their 60s who have got into a state of hopelessness they've worked all their lives in fact you met just recently at an event with me a, a lovely man who i think for 30 years had locked down his communication incredible and, man uh, i mean amazing gentleman if you see him the way he's communicating now but in that moment on that event we were able to do an intervention with him which broke a habit from some time in his youth when something happened with his father which resulted in 35 to 40 years of being locked down and that was an emotional mental health issue which meant that he wasn't able to really truly be himself and we as a group witnessed it in front of 100 people witnessed the shift that happened so it, it's all the way along the age group it's not i agree with you the question is why are young people struggling so much but i think you've put your finger on it without realizing it in your description and i'll come to it in a minute actually if that's okay yeah. but there is definitely a, the younger people have access to a media which is so instant that older people tend not to use and refer to. So the, the frame of reference to magnify the problem is so much more instant than it was back in the old days. So maybe that's the way we should go. If you're asking the question is, you know, what's the cause? What, what were the three things you wanted to cover? It was, it was how do we identify it? Okay, where so does that. it come from? Yeah. So where does it come from? And, and, how that's, so, it? and how do we tackle it? So off the back of my story, where my situation came from was my values as a person and where what I wanted to be spending my time doing on the one life I have on this planet was not sitting in an office, right. just sort of sending emails and everything led to that point. And it was just like, that's it. Enough's enough. Um, so there's gotta be, there's gotta be more to life than this. It gotta be more to life than this. And that was my big turning point. Whereas right. it could have been, if I was somebody else, it could have been, I can no longer handle the amount of pressure I'm getting at work, or I don't have the skills to manage maybe 20 things I have to do a day or the responsibility is just too extreme for the workplace or I've now I've no longer got family work balance and that could be the reason so where does it come from is the second question I think we should tackle
Okay, so look, I'm, I'm going to give you my view. And remember, anyone listening to this, there's probably a much, there's, there's several layers to this and there might be more things you want to add and you might challenge me on it, you might agree with me, but I'm just going to say what I've observed over this last 30 plus years of being in this field of working with people. Three things harms. Number one, and feel free to jump in at any stage. Number one is, I'll go through them very quickly and then and expand on them. Number one is parents' expectations of their children of us as children uh, you know we were all children if we've got a parent still alive that's the first one the second thing is a system that has been designed which i believe fundamentally flawed now to put too much pressure on young people and the third thing and it's a more recent thing from my perspective certainly in my lifetime is social media for you it's part of what you've grown up with for me it wasn't part of what i grew up with and that's why i say that you picked on something which i think is really topical and one of the biggest causes so i'll start to work through them and expand a little bit and then if yeah. you just if you want to jump in just feel free to jump in so parents expectations I deal a lot with parents. So I deal a lot with people who are my age group. People are sort of in their thirties, just starting off as parents. Generally people are having kids later now, right through to people who are 40, 45, 50, who have got kids that are older, typically 10, 15, 20, 25 years of age. And my experience is that most parents, my generation, i.e. 40 to 50 to 60, we grew up with a period where we just didn't have stuff. So there's certain things we didn't have. Certainly I didn't as my parents, my father passed away. My mum was surviving literally. So as a parent, fundamentally, when you're in that age group, what you want to do is just make sure that your kids, quote unquote, have all the things that I didn't have, have, have a better education, have more money, don't have the stress of having to try and earn money to go through university, to struggle those first few years. So we almost find ourselves taking our beliefs as parents. I'd be interested to see if anyone's listening to this that actually thinks, oh my God, that's so true. Our own beliefs. And we want to impart and make it almost easier. We want to provide our kids with the best opportunity they've got. And you've often hear that. But in doing that, we start talking to our kids about, I, we don't actually, I have to say that with our children, it's, it's different. And I've made a conscious decision not to do it because I've watched so many other people do it. And I am talking even with my own family. It's putting kids through 11 plus, putting them at a young age into the exam system, working extra hours to make sure you pass your test results. And for what reason? And this comes to my next part in a moment, which is the system. But, it, but if you look at it from a parent's perspective, as parents, whatever inadequacies we feel we have had in the past, in our own growth, our own education, and, and our own youthful years, we want to correct those. And instead of correcting them in ourselves, Typically, what we do is we correct them in our kids. In other words, we make sure that our kids don't make the same mistakes we did. And of course, we're implanting in our kids a set of beliefs that may not be appropriate for them. And then the children, and you know this because you're a child as well, is we then don't want to displease our parents. So we start to behave in a way to please our parents, which might be a direct conflict to our own beliefs and values about what we want in the world. Because the world we're seeing around us at 25, 30, which is what you're seeing, is different to the world I saw when I grew up, when I was 25, 30. So there's a massive conflict of vision, of values and alignment of the world around us. And the parents unconsciously, or in some cases consciously, are doing this to the kids. And kids don't like to say no. Fundamentally, they want to please the parents and they don't want to be unloved by the parents. So they'll do what's necessary to be loved. And of course, that leads to, in your example, being in a workplace where you probably fell into that part. Of, you know, you, you and I both come from an Asian background, get a good job as an engineer, work really hard. And all of a sudden, there you are in a car park upset because it's not who you are. But actually, for the first 10, 15 years, that's what your parents kind of loved you into doing, not by force, but almost by, well, that's what you do, son. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that's what I see in a lot. Uh, exactly, 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 Ro. And that is very true. And, and if you want to see a way that it plays out, it's what you just mentioned last there, which is it plays out in the career choice 
that you mm-hmm. sort of go down. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, this is a, a podcast where we, it's, it's, we come from an open place because we want to be able to help the people around us and the listeners. So for example, myself, I went down the route of an engineer yeah. and that was not who I was as a person. Mm. Um, Gina won't mind me mentioning my wife. She went down the route of being an accountant mm. and that was a driving force from her parents. And it's, it's only years later when it's like, um, uh, mom and dad, just to let you know, we are not an engineer. We're not an accountant. I hope you're okay with that. So just to, yeah, right. just to let you know that the we thing. are people first, property we investor. are people first. <laughs> yeah. I'm a property investor. Um, and, but, but now I, I've even tried to go beyond that because, and it does link to a second point I have, I try to go beyond that, which is, um, just to let you know, I am, I am not my job yeah. who I am as a person. I am not my job. So I'm not even a property investor now. I'm not even a business person. That's right. I am just me. Um, yeah, I am exactly. me and you're going to have to spend some time and work out what me in terms of a character, who I am as a person, who I am yeah. as a, in my mind, as a heart space. That is quite challenging, which leads to my second point, which is I'm going to challenge parents listening to this. And the reason I'm openly going to challenge them is parents just for some reason, at some point, they just stop learning. They stop learning and they stop yeah. staying up to date. And it's not everybody, but they just stop staying up to date with what is happening. And for example, the typical line I hear is, oh, everything has changed. It wasn't like that in my day. Uh, it wasn't like that in my day. I can't keep up. Um, too busy. Too busy. Bills. I ain't got no time for this. And and it plays, those sentences play out. And, and also, just stop learning. do remember as well that culturally, your parents, I mean, your parents are, what, how, how old are your parents now? So they're 50, uh, so 55 and 60. Yeah. So, so a little bit older than me and my mum's in, in their generation are older than them. So 70 and 80, my, my stepfather's 85, 88, actually. 80, 80. So they, that generation, I was just creeping into the personal de- development generation. I just happened to hang on to it at a young age, at 18, I hooked onto it. But yeah. most people in that generation didn't even have the psychology of growing. The idea of a seminar, personal development, that was American bullshit. You don't want to fucking listen to that. So that's the challenge that you face in your age group is that yes. in my age group, we didn't grow up with that. I was just hanging on to that from the start of it and managed to stay in that, that, that growth. And then I evolved very quickly. But if you weren't in that space, man, you were fucked. Basically, you just, you just got mm-hmm. stuck into the old rut. My mum was the same. My father was the same. Uh, you know, I followed into an engineering footsteps, which was my dad's footsteps work hard that the concept of personal growth just didn't really exist. It was almost like a taboo thing to talk about. To some extent, it's still taboo. I mean, we discussed yeah. this privately pre- uh, in the last episode, and and it's still taboo to a certain extent. So, if there's one thing I'm just going to encourage parents to do right away is just learning. The moment you left school, there might have been a long period where you stopped learning, and maybe in the action points, I'll give you some key places to to spend some time in yourself. Well, if you can, um, because one thing is, yes, we can talk about the younger generation, and this is me protecting the younger generation. We can talk about the younger generation, <laughs> but but we have to speak to the the wiser generation and say, hang on a minute, um, hang on a minute, what's what's happening here? The reason yeah. the reason you can't actually talk to us and understand us is because you stop learning. You're reading yeah. the wrong stuff. You're reading yeah. about politics in the newspaper when we should be worrying about other things which are more important. 
Yeah, um, I agree, so and, and, I, and I have this conversation sometimes with my mother as well. I mean, I love her dearly, and the, her her background is watching the news, and and my my father in law as well, my stepfather. Sorry, so that that whole mindset is driven by a different take on information. You've almost got three three information sources now. You've got the mass media, newspapers. You've got social media, which is where the, I think the younger generation really communicate, and then you've got the personal development world, which float somewhere around the social media world at the moment that's where i sit or separately seminars books tapes audios i say tapes that don't exist anymore but you know that that world and and it's a choice of where you go to get that information podcasts are filling that gap now i think these type of things are really useful they are very very useful and a lot of wise people on it experts on podcasts um and if you're, if you're just thinking about books and where to start literally go on to any online bookstore, um, Amazon, or go to a bookstore and f- look at the business section. They've got personal development sections. They've got sections self-help. on yeah. self-help and just pick up a few books. I mean, just start, just start and, and work your way through them. And then you'll, I agree. you'll be so, so ahead of the game when communicating with a generation, which has, is just complete. And we appreciate, we are completely different to your generation. We, we massively appreciate that. Are you talk about um, my generation? We'll talk about- <laughs> <laughs> but okay so on that note then let's let's just address this if you're listening to this right now and you are sub 40 say 30 30 years of age and below actually anyone yeah. 30 years of age, talk to your parents and get them to listen to this podcast because here's what i'm going to say to the parents because i'm in that category of 50 55 is it is a mental health issue sorry to be blunt but it's a mental health issue not to freaking develop yourself it is a mental health issue not to freaking go out and grow and expand and to want to learn about becoming healthier why take the advice from a medical doctor that wants to pump you full of drugs when actually there's other ways to naturally do it why go into a divorce when there's a way to actually work on the relationship to heal the relationship through personal growth and become an amazing bad person why why would you not want to redesign and redevelop your belief systems and your values so you can grow and have another amazing 30 years and your children can be inspired by you to follow in those footsteps instead of a set of self-beliefs or self-destructive beliefs that make them want to be the opposite to you, but at the same time, unconsciously, they want to be the same as you. Honestly, parents have huge amounts to answer for without even realizing it. And it's not to blame the parents because they don't know that. But the way you do become aware is you develop yourself. So that's my rant for the last 30 seconds or more. I love that. So uh, if you're listening to the podcast at home, just take a deep breath, just take a deep breath and we will move on to the second, the second point, which is the system. Yeah. So we've dealt with parents. Yeah. We've dealt with parents and we've, we've backed our generation, my generation here and we've, we've kicked the, the parents in the, we kicked the parents. So let's focus well, on let the second the point. Which is let, let's, okay. Let's, so, so the system has three elements to it. Like the system as it stands at the moment and it still exists is kids go to school and get your exams, get your exams and get really good results. And by the way, we're going to put pressure on you from four years of age. We're going to start testing you. We're going to start testing you at this age of four, five, six, seven, all the way through to you get to 17, 18 years of age, get those levels of exams out of the way. Then we're going to send you to university. We're going to put you to more pressure as well. And by the time you get out of there, if you've got all the right results and you've got a certain category, you're only classed by this category, then you can get a certain type of job. And you really want to go for the good jobs because if you don't get a good job, you're going to get a shit pay. And if you get a shit pay, you can have a crap lifestyle. But you have to get a job. And by the way, if you stay in that job and you work really hard for the next 40 years and stay doing the same thing, you'll climb the career ladder. And at the end of that, you can retire on basically sod all money. 
And that's the system that puts pressure right from the start. It's the system you talked about in the money series that we had where you started choosing your career based on an earnings at 19 years of age. The system is only designed to put people into a conformity. Instead of creativity, we're getting people to conform. And what if you can't conform? You start to panic. And if you start panicking, you get anxiety, you get depression, you get hopelessness because you don't fit into the system. I think it's one out of five teenage girls in the UK are self-harming at the moment. You and I were at a seminar just recently where I was running a communications event and a young girl of 16 told us that her friends, I think it's four or five of her friends, had all attempted to self-harm themselves because they were being asked to take exams at ridiculous age. They were being put pressure. They were coming back from school, then being told to work till eight, nine o'clock at night, then having a short break studying again if they didn't get 75 percent or more they were underperforming oh my god what kind of pressure does that put on a young teenager so the cyst is seriously damaging and what what it's doing harms i'm sorry i'm going to rant here again but it creates fear it, it creates a sense of lack of what if i don't and i think you call it that your generation call it fomo is it fear of uh, fear of missing uh, missing out fear of missing out yeah right. so that's a modern term i i you know i became aware of a few years ago but i always called it fear and lack but you're calling it fomo it, it's fucking huge right now for young people huge ran, uh, ran over ran over ran over <laughs> okay and i will link that back actually to so my situation and this is a this is not only a, a issue which parents are going to have to deal with, it's also employers. Because if you take my situation, my story I shared at the start, I had peaked at some sort of emotional state. I peaked at emotional state and I said, enough is enough. And then I just right. left that career place. I just left that, that sort of career behind. Um, so well, a hold, on, hold on, before you say that, before you say that, everyone's going to go, that's great, but you just missed the most important thing. How and why did you choose to leave? Because mm, okay. just by making that statement, it's so easy to make it because you've done it. But if I'm yes. listening to this and I'm like 27 thinking, yeah, but I feel all the stuff that Dr. Rose is talking about. And then you just told me you left. What did you do, Harm? Give us two or three things that took you from A to B quickly. I know we're going to come back to how to tackle it in a minute. But what did you do to, to caveat that? Okay, so so just very quickly. So the first thing I plugged into is personal development. And right. personal development allowed me to grow as a person. Okay. And then what I what I decided to myself is attach myself to a a different type of education which I did not receive in school, which is how do you build wealth through assets? So how right. do you invest invest successfully? I then attach myself to uh, people who had done it in the past. So people like yourself, Dr. O. So ha- people who had done it in the past. And what I made a conscious decision that in my spare time, instead of flicking through social media, I just drew a line in the sand and said, I'm going to build a business on the side until the income from the business exceeds the income from the job right. and then I'm going to make a decision. So that can take some time and a part of my, uh, so just to add to more context to this, a part of me having an emotional breakdown at work was, it was a case that, oh my God, actually the business is doing well now. I have an exit. What the hell am I still doing here? What am I still doing here? So just to add a few layers context to my situation and that's when I was able to make a decision. So what I'm not saying is, just go leave the leave your job tomorrow because yeah. it's about it's about then you then you take then you add even more anxiety and more stress to your, to your life and that's not the point of this the point is there's a process you're gonna you'll have to go through in order to to leave that it's not an instant fix and we can talk about the final part of this how to tackle it so can I ask you a question then because I've never asked you this before but when you went through that process the concept of FOMO because there was definitely a sense of I had this conversation with you at one point is, you know, you leave the career and all the things that it could give you if you carry up the career ladder. Did the fear of missing out slowly reduce by building something separate on the side? Absolutely. It did. Because 
when when you think about fear of missing out, you're only missing out on what you are aware of at that time. Right. And I think this is a really important note if you're listening at home is I was only fearful of missing out on the world of the people around me at work. So I was fear of missing out on the bonus at the end of the year. I was yeah. fear of missing out on that percentage pay rise. I was fear of missing out on a private pension. All those things I was thinking about. Christmas but once dinner. I had built Christmas dinners, uh, working, <laughs> can you believe this? I was, I was, I was fearful of le- not working a Christmas and a boxing day because they used to pay triple pay. Oh I was like, gosh. oh my God, next year I'm not going to get triple pay on Christmas. So I was like, oh my God. When I, when I think about some of the things that went through my head, I think, wow. Um, but that is fear of missing out in context of the environment I was in at the time. Yes, yes. And then once I built this new, amazing environment on the side, I was like, actually, I'm not so worried about missing out on those things because I'm building this amazing thing over here on the other side. But it, it's, a, it's a slow safe, gradual process. So when right. people talk about the grass is not always greener on the other side, yes, that uh, that makes sense to me when you suddenly wake up one morning and say, I'm leaving uh, without it, without having harvested the grass on the other side. You've got, you got to grow it. You've got to grow it. you got to grow the grass first. <laughs> so I was growing the grass on the other side of the fence. And once it was now lush and ready to be grazed, I, I then, then hopped over the fence. Oh, so there's, there's a process behind that. Right. Sorry, I had to jump in there because it just uh, it sounded like it was just a cut, sudden jump. I know it wasn't, uh, but the I, listeners might. Have I know, but we, we we may have a we may have thousand listeners suddenly leave their careers tomorrow, so <laughs> we don't want that. Right. So, I mean, just is there anything else you want to add to that? Because the last there's one last component I wanted to jump in, but I, I stopped you in your flow there. Did you get across what you wanted to say, or did you want to add uh, to that? I'm going to go back to the point you made about the system, and when you think about the system, and I'm closer to you than the school system in terms of uh, our age groups, and. Yes. I still genuinely remember it very, very well in terms of if when we talk about exams and things we have to, for parents, I feel that they may not really feel what's actually happening in school because they're not sitting through the school day. And just to put it into context, we're talking about getting your children to and getting myself to memorize a textbook to then pass an exam. And Anybody, so basically what we're saying is the way we're differentiating between people, and I noticed this in the classroom environment, was the people who are very good at getting the answers for the exams, they they had a great self-esteem boost. For those people who were like myself, to be honest, and were more creative, were more uh, free-spirited, we had a challenge. Um, because we, we struggled to memorize answers to pass exams, we had a challenge. We yeah. were not going to get a big gold star or tick in the box at the end of the day. We were going to we were going to get told actually because you can't memorize things very well. You're no good. You're no good. So you're just going to have to get better at memorizing things. So the so so rather than teach us some real important skills, we got taught how to memorize. So just just remember that for your children. So when you're putting your 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 sort of putting that pressure on them and the school system putting the pressure on them, it is coming from a place of what are they actually learning. So one of the, uh, just a few things I did not learn from school was how to communicate effectively, how to think critically, and also how to be a creative. Um, when I, when you think about creatives, you typically think of art class. So if I put myself in art class, we spent very little time actually doing the art. We spent a lot of time studying artists and the history of artists. So 
from a creative point of view, I don't really remember expressing myself creatively in school. So when Ro is having an event at the system, we have in context to what is actually happening at school and what are our yeah. kids actually doing. So that's that's my memory of school. And unfortunately, Ro, I have to agree with you on that's the system that's that's currently being operated at the moment. I, I did not get the same pressure as some of the kids are getting now, though. And that's that's from a 10, 15 year span. It's just very much increasing. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a, a mention here to parents, if you're listening to this and, and this is challenging your beliefs or making you feel uncomfortable, or if you're a child, and I mean, a ch- we're all children, but if you're listening to this, you're a teenager, late teens, early teens, whatever, I'll ask your parents to have a listen to this. But the big question I would say to a parents listening to this is genuinely hand on heart, are your children happy at school? And that's a question that we have with our own daughter. She's in a slightly different non-conventional type of school that actually nurtures creativity, but that doesn't stop us asking the question. And I have to differentiate between a bad day versus overall unhappiness. And I think that's what we have to do as parents is the same way you had to make that distinction at 26 years of age in a car park in tears, then going back in to carry on working versus a child that doesn't know how to make that distinction. So as the adults, we have to step in and ask an honest question. Are our kids actually happy? We're so busy being busy working and earning our salary to look after the family. Have we stopped to actually ask the question, are our children happy? And if we carry on putting them in that environment, what's the long-term impact on them? And I get to see the adults who are unhappy children. And and that's why I feel so passionate about this is because most people I meet, actually, they look back, it wasn't the right environment for them. So I think it's a chance to reflect and start to consider other opportunities or other ways to to help your children grow and learn as a human beings. It's a, it's a very sensitive subject, but I think it's one that we, I'm glad we've tackled it. Guiro. And I'm just going to add a practical element onto that. So something I was never asked, um, and it's no, it's no discredit to my parents or anything like that, or even my teachers, to be honest, I was never asked by my teachers these powerful questions. Rather than ask, ask your children at the end of the day, or ask your colleagues, your work colleagues, if you're a manager and you're asking your work colleague or your somebody's working as your, your employee at work, rather than say, how was your day today? Try to get more specific with the question. So yeah. the way to rephrase that question was, what was the best part of your day today? What work is most exciting you this week? So ask some real specific questions because if you ask that general question, how was your day? You're just gonna get, yeah, yeah it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. And you're not going to actually find out what's genuinely happening behind the scenes. So um, a powerful question. I think you mentioned it. You know, you ask a powerful question, you're going to get a powerful answer. And then then for the parents that are wanting to find out about their children, ask them, are you happy? Isn't necessarily the right way. You can try it. But another way to do it might just simply to say, tell me what you're excited about at school and which areas do you feel you're less excited about? What are you not enjoying? And and you'll get a contrast. And I'll ask then behind that, well, what, what makes you happy about that? And what makes you feel so unhappy or less happy or you feel less enjoyable? And then in the description, you've got to watch their body language, listen to the language that they're using, and the clues will start to reveal themselves. And then just notice when they've got a resistance to doing things. Sometimes it would just because they're going through that period of their lives, but other times there's a consistency of unhappiness and that's where the signs start to show up. Of course, we don't spot these things, parents, if we're not asking the right questions, as you just said there. And that's when the mental health quote unquote issues kick in because now the kids are prescribed drugs or they're told they've got a mental health issue. Well, actually, maybe it's a communication health issue. It's not a mental health issue at all. I mean, we've tackled the system now, so I think we should deep, then move su- on to deep the subject. Next point. Yeah. The a last subject. One, uh, I mean, I, 
there's still a bit to cover it. So I'm going to keep this brief because it might be a conversation for another day on a different podcast. Yeah. I think it's topical in its own right, but social media. And I, mm-hmm. I guess all I'm going to do is throw this probably back at you without us going too long into this and to say that I think the other big thing, and this is a distinction you picked up earlier on in your description, and I spotted it in the way you described it, was you were sat there going through Facebook. You described that. Now, I think for most young people, that's a natural place they go to. I see that when they're sat in a, in a queue waiting for food at the cinema. I've sat at airports standing with my daughter talking to her and literally everyone else sat down is on the phone and they're either WhatsApp, social media, Instagram. They're looking at a world of instant gratification. All they're seeing is the positive stuff that's happening out there. And so here you are not happy in your workplace. And in contrast, you're seeing all of this positivity. Start this business. Do that. I've just tried this. This works. I'm here on this holiday. Um, Instant gratification. Start this business and be a millionaire within six months. Make £3,000 a month by doing this online course. And so people see that and they get instant gratification over there. It makes their current life feel shit. It's like watching a soap opera. Back in my day, it was the soap operas that made people feel shit because they'd sit at home. And what happened is soap operas started to be really negative. So now people are coming home. And the reason that they became addictive is because now I'm watching something on TV, which is worse than my life. So at least it makes my life feel a little bit better. Positive stuff didn't get much attention. So I think the social media environment for younger generation is such a natural place to go. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff in there that's also creating anxiety, pressure, social pressure. And that's leading to a magnification of that in the workplace. Like you said, you went back into the office having looked at Facebook thinking, shit, that's what I want to be doing. And now I've got to go back into the office. And then that just magnifies the pain. But just from your perspective, talk to me about what you see, what you felt and what younger people are feeling right now, because I think you're the voice of this. And you've covered a lot of ground there. I think I'm going to add to those points. So First of all, I think it's for the listeners listening at home, it's not a case that social media is the worst thing. It's the enemy of our generation. No. Social media is a fantastic way to connect people globally. If you use it the right way, it's, it is actually extraordinary. However, it does, if misused, like most things, if misused, it can have a, a significant detrimental effect, which in this case links to the topic we're talking about, which is mental health, stress. Uh, emotional issues. And that really comes from um, linked to FOMO, but it comes to comparing yourself instantly all day long, comparing yourself to somebody else's life, comparing your life to somebody else's life. And the mind, we have to appreciate how the mind works. The mind is not going to be able to process things in a deeper level every time you load up Instagram. Uh, Instagram's an example, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, they're they all contribute to what we're talking about in this podcast, which is when you open up Instagram, I'm using that as a as an arbitrary example, and you look at somebody on holiday, you are looking at that person in that second, in that moment of time. What we haven't seen is the process behind that photograph. We don't know if they're actually having a bad day. We don't know if they're if they've just had an argument with their partner and exactly. but they, they want to they want to get their fix. And their likes by posting something online. Yeah, and I'll give you a great example, Ro. So me and Gina were uh, on the Amalfi Coast last year, and we we uh, we went down to breakfast, and we saw two two young ladies. They were friends. They looked like they were there on a holiday. Amazing place to have a holiday, and they were having they they were take they had they received their breakfast. But before they ate their breakfast, they must have spent, and I'm not adverse to this, take a picture of your food, great, whatever. But they spent about five to seven minutes 
taking pictures of each other in, with their food. Okay. So that just, just imagine that they're sitting across from us. Me and Gino are just observing this, just fascinated, just observing this. We, we don't have our phones out on holiday very rarely. So we're just observing this, uh, just, just like what's, how's this going to unfold? They are taking pictures of each other with their food. What happened before they ate the food is they swapped their dishes and one friend actually ate her meal and the friend who was taking pictures with the meal that wasn't actually hers had taken pictures purely for Instagram, but was actually going to eat something completely different. <laughs> I just couldn't so in other words, it. this is what I'm eating, but it's not really what I'm eating. So, so, hey, so what they're saying to the world out there, so that what they're saying to me, so imagine me sitting in the car park before I got to my office, I'm, I'm looking for Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, look at this attractive lady with her food on the Amalfi Coast. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that life. You know, why am I not on the Malfi Coast today eating this delicious food? Now, I I was actually in that scenario. I was in the same restaurant as her. That was not her food. That was not her food she was eating. But yet she was happy enough to share that with the world. And yeah. then when I observed the observed their interaction afterwards, the phones went away and they didn't even speak to each other for, for the whole meal. They were just mm -hmm. eating and just staring into space. So what, so the reason I use this example, which I, I, I saw firsthand is when we load Instagram and Facebook, we have to appreciate that that is a moment in time for that person. We don't know the year before. We don't know how much money they had to save to go on that holiday. We don't know the sacrifices they had to make. We don't know the arguments they had to have with their partner on, do we go to the Amalfi Coast or do we go to Bali as an example? Like, and these are just first world problems. It's so massively important to realize that they are living their own life and their life and their path is different to the life you're living. When you compare yourself to their life, that's their moment in time versus your moment in time. So if you're feeling shit, you're having a shit day and you're looking at somebody else having a great day, that's just going to make you feel shitter. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just important to realize that. And the problem with social media is compared to the, to the sitcom or compared to the soap, uh, opera that somebody would watch that's a half an hour show in the evening yes the yeah. difference now is that this is constant ongoing it is uh, yeah and that ongoing was the, that was the other point i think i was going to add actually you made a good point yeah, yeah. time spent. It is instant it is time spent and what that means is what and this is where i think i do appreciate parents just won't understand this their kids or our generation are getting bombarded with inputs yeah. it's constantly bombarded with inputs um, and this causes a whole nother set of issues uh, outside mental health, but they're so bombarded with inputs constantly, constantly, constantly. And I can speak for my generation that it is a problem uh, to have that much input, sensory input constantly. Well, the moment you pick up your phone is incredibly, so, it's, it's tough to deal with. So to add to that, and, and I didn't tell you this, but last week I, I met with a lady who's, she treats a lot of people on a physical level. And about 10, 15 years ago, I also sat and talked to an organization that deal with measuring the biorhythmic behavior of the head and the heart in synchronicity, so something called heart math. Mm, and well. the conversation that happened yes, well, last week and also the same conversation 10, 15 years ago on the same subject was fight or flight, meaning that back in the day when we were primitive in the sense that, you know, we were going out trying to catch an animal and then a tiger tried to grab us. We had the, we had the, we basically had the fear there. So we, we either fought at that moment or we ran away. That's where the fight or flight concept comes from. That creates 
and natural adrenal stress in the body. Now, what they have found is that the natural behavior of a human being to a text, uh, an email, uh, a, a traffic, you know, stuck in traffic, eh, 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 um, any sort of media coming at us from left, right and center, our body's reaction to that in different proportions is almost identical to the fight or flight scenario, meaning that wow. when you get a stressful text, you react in the same way to if something caused you stress from external, it was a tiger coming at you. It's just on a slightly smaller level, but you get enough of that on a consistent regular basis. The tiger, we run away that night, we eat the deer or whatever it is we're eating in the cave. And that deer, by the way, stretches us over the next two weeks because you know we're not natural necessarily just meat eaters. So we've done that and we're eating our berries and everything else. We're here now, we're getting stressed, we're eating shit food, we're eating a lot of the type of food that's not good for us. Add to that text after text after WhatsApp after this has happened, social media, the news. And so she was talking to me about the fact that our stress levels are now consistently high. So that leads to mental health issues as well, just by the fact that there is no time for the body to de-stress because of exactly what you just said. We are being bombarded constantly by the same levels of stress and that's taken to bed with us. So now you're going to bed with your phone and instead of going to bed at 10, you're going to bed at 12 because you spent two hours looking at Facebook. Now you get up at six and it's still in your body because the electronics and the, and I mean, it, we could just go on and on, but you get the message. It's, it is endemic and that's the problem. It's everywhere. And hundred percent. And I think the thing to also realize is that we don't have control of this. So if, when you are on Instagram, no. as much as you want to process and, and protect yourself from this, from this issue that we're talking about, it's automatic. It's built into us. It's built into us. This fight or flight uh, is it built into us. If it's, on a if it's on a spectrum, it's all day. It's on the lower end of the spectrum, but it's happening all day, all day, all day. So I don't mind sharing with the audience, but I'm aware of this in my own world with, with my business and having to use my phone and my, and my iPad and computer all the time. I'm very much aware of this. So I have to, to protect myself, to do the, to avoid myself getting into a state of mental health issue or stress or anxiety or, or a place where it's going to be very hard for me to come back from. I've this year as an experience, I booked myself into a, a 10 day silent retreat, no phones, no laptops, no speaking, um, very much so to just to take some of that input away because yeah, because we can't avoid it. It's Brilliant. almost unavoidable now. So I've booked myself into a 10 day experience. And I'll be happy to share that with we, we must our do podcast, podcast in the future. Straight after that, that that's going to be an amazing experience for you. Um, I yeah, mean, just, for, and just to see what, so for me that the equivalent of that would have been when I was younger, particularly is, is doing a lot of my mountain trips. I used to go climb all over the world, the, you know, the Alps, the going down into South uh, France, into the, the, the Pyrenees, the Dolomites, all those sorts of places. Uh, and, and with those experiences, you're in the mountains. And in those days, we didn't have the digital media that you have today where you could probably do a FaceTime. <laughs> you know, you could, you could actually do a selfie from the top of a mountain. We, we would carry up an old camera. You get your camera out and make sure the film didn't get overexposed. <laughs> take, <laughs> take your phone photograph, stick it back in your rucksack, and then you'd have another five days just with whoever you were with. That was it. That was the only conversation you had. There was nothing Phenomenal. else. Um, whereas you're choosing to do that is brilliant. I love the fact that you're making that decision to go and give that experience for your body, you know? And I think that links well lovely with some of the situations now. So it, why things like gym, sports, uh, cycling, running, why all those things are so powerful is because as a person, you can focus on one thing. Yes. I'm now just focusing on one thing and I'm dedicating everything to it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to 
just smell everything around me, feel the excitement, the adrenaline, all those things. So a word of warning is if you are going to experience those things, just be there. Just like rowers rock climbing, just like I'm going to a 10 day silent retreat. Just don't open your phone. There's no need. There's yeah. no need. There's no need to prove to anybody in the world that you are on this rock face at this specific time. Yeah. Think, of, be conscious about how you want to do that, whether it's taking a picture. Thank goodness that some of these places you spoke about, there's no signal in those places. That's right. So, yeah. so you can use your phone to take a picture, but you can't broadcast it. So it's like, ha, you've got no choice. You have to spend time with yourself. Yes. Um, on, and then the memory, the, the memory is an internal memory. It's a cellular level. It's a different experience altogether. For um, sure. I think we've forgotten to do that. I mean, just one caveat, you talked about having dinner and, and taking photographs. So I think just to add to anyone that's thinking, does that mean you're saying don't do that? I, I was in the Maldives recently and I made a conscious effort to catalog some of that, to make it into a vlog, to send a message out. And it was particularly around a a specific restaurant that was a vegetarian restaurant. So whilst we were there, I said to my family, what we're going to do today is whilst we're at the meal, I'm going to photograph some of the meals because I'm going to put this into the vlog. I'm going to interview the chef. And that was done very purposefully harms. Cause if I hadn't done it that way, I think I would have found myself constantly getting the phone out and photographing every single meal we had. So I, I made a decision whilst out on two occasions that we were going to photograph some of the meals that we had. So I could use those images for a specific vlog, which we're using to help get a message out about vegetarian food in different parts of the world that was a different experience for me. It wasn't me feeling I needed to capture it. It was because I had a purpose behind me doing it. For sure. Rod. I think that's a very important dis distinction. I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is be conscious about how you're doing it. Cause I know yeah. you, 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 I know you were, you would have taken the pictures and it would have been a great experience when you was taking the pictures, then the phone would go away and now you're yeah. enjoying the family meal. It, it's, and if you do it like that consciously, it's, it's different. Um, and there's no, there's no harm in documenting. And that's links right back to the start where social media is a great way to connect with your friends, your family, new people out in the world. It's a great business tool. If you treat it as a way to document your journey without make, without the intention of trying to make anybody else's world feel crap. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a, in, yeah so there's a two, there's a two way approach. There's the person looking at, looking at that Instagram post or Facebook post or Snapchat and saying, man, I want that life. But also from the other side, the person who's posting it, what is your intention for posting that? Is it, are you coming from a place of, I want to show off? Are you trying to make somebody else feel shit about their life? What is your intention with the post? Or are you genuinely trying to sh share your experience with the world from a positive place and saying, look, this is amazing food in the Maldives. This is how great the food is. And then you're actually going to eat that food. Or are you going to say, this is me with my food and then actually not eat that food? It's real, what's actually happening in the real world versus a fake, fake creation you're creating. And this True. is, this links directly with mental health. And that's, and again, you as Blunt were earlier, but that is mental health in terms of the person putting it out there yeah. as well. That's, that's them feeling like they have to live a certain way Correct. to, uh, to please the person watching them halfway around the world that's also a mental health issue so that's this expands in so many different places yeah and i think that's a conversation for another podcast we're just talking about your beliefs your values who you are your identity your sense of purpose and how you show up in the world that's a completely different conversation for another podcast okay so so far we've covered parents expectation on kids 
pressure the system i've spoke about social media so that that covers our two main questions so far which is how do we identify it and where does it come from so we i think we've covered everything about where does it come from now i think we should cover the final point which is how to tackle it yeah i think we've already addressed some of this in the way we've explained the last section so i'll go i'll go through five things i don't want to spend too long i think it's about provoking people to go away and think about what they're doing at the moment and how they can change that so i'll I'll, I'll go through five things and then if you want to jump in at any stage or or pick them up at the end i'll go through them fairly quickly so so number one for me before you start just before you start and because i always forget to do this is these the useful things Rose talking about and that I've spoken about, we will put on the show notes. The show notes will be yes. on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. So these five things, if you're walking, running, being fully present with this podcast at the moment and not looking at Instagram whilst you're listening to us, if you're doing that, then you don't have to write these down necessarily. Plug into the show notes. These five things to tackle mental health will be there. So over to you, Ro. Yeah, thank you for reminding everybody of that. So number one for me is, and you said it actually in the way you described previously, is stop comparing yourself and stop trying to compete with other people. <laughs> Let me caveat the start, the start of these five points. Imagine yourself at my age. So imagine you're 50, 55 years of age and you're that person. Just, just fast forward for a minute. Imagine the years have gone on. You've gone through life. You've expanded. You've grown. You've developed yourself as a person. And now you're at a stage where you've had a different experience with life. You're older, you're wiser, you've got children and you've developed some businesses and you're feeling more secure. And if you're already that age, then you're at that point already. It might be a different experience for you. You might need to fast forward 10 to 15 years into the future. But the point of the exercise is imagine you're that person who is 15, 20, 30 years older, looking back at this very moment of time, the phone's in your hand. You've seen somebody there on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, the conversation you're having. It might be a WhatsApp message. And you suddenly find an emotional connection with that situation. You're feeling stressed or competitive or shit. God, look at what they're doing. Ask yourself the question, if I was sat here now with another 20 to 30 years on top of me, does this really make any difference whatsoever? Do I need to react like this? Do I need to compare myself at this moment or compete with this person? And nine times out of 10, the answer is no. So that's the first one is stop competing. You don't need to just be yourself. And that's the second point, which I know you're very passionate about as well, Harminder, is be authentic, be real, as Harms just said there. You know, if you're, if you're in this space of learning or growing or social media or being with your parents, communicating with your parents, don't try to be your parents. Don't try to be your mate on Instagram. Don't try to be a celebrity who's in on Instagram. Be authentic, be real, make the message yours, make it raw, make it honest. And I think you'll create a new experience of people around you. People will come to you who are different because they like your authenticity. That's the second one. Can I, shall I keep going, Harms, or do you want to add to this? No, keep going, Will. Keep okay. going. Second, or third thing is, and you raised this as well, is you, you have to change the way you communicate. You, you've got to start to talk from a space of being honest from the heart. Talk to your parents. If there's stress coming on because your parents are bringing something upon you that you don't feel is your values, your beliefs, tell them, I love you, I respect you. I think what you've done is great. It's not who I am. I know you want me to do this and achieve this, but the pressure it's putting on me, the anxiety it's creating, I can already start to feel that I'm having a meltdown or I'm just not feeling right about this. This is how I want to be. This is what I want to do. And, and, and at least open that dialogue. 
It might be that you need to take on a coach or bounce back into the environment with us on Growth Tribes and, and get some support there. I don't know, but at least at this stage, you might want to come back with some questions on that. At least open that communication up. It's really important. The fourth, and there's five of these, the, the fourth way is develop a whole new set of beliefs. It's really important to rewire yourself. I think we've talked about the book I wrote many years ago. It's called Turning Point. If you get a chance to get a copy of that, there is a whole section in there on rewiring your beliefs. It might be that you are currently living with a set of beliefs that your parents or people around you, and you just got to rewire those. If you rewire them in a sincere way and you redefine who you believe you are and how you want to believe, you'll communicate differently. You won't compete with other people and then you can be more authentic. And only by doing that process can you actually be more authentic and communicate more effectively. And then the final thing, and, and Harminder spot, picked it up beautifully, and I asked him the question without him knowing I was going to ask him the question, is associate with different types of people. Associate with people who are older, who you consider to be wiser, who are what I classify as emotionally developed, with people who are on the path that you want to be on, and ask them for help, reach out and start to mix with those people and by that very association, it's my experience that you will start to adopt or adapt to or embody their beliefs and their values. You'll communicate differently and you'll find yourself not having to compete because you can just be yourself. And when you're yourself, you're not competing with anybody. You're just being yourself. They would be my five things, Harminda. Those are amazing, Ro. And just on the last one, which is surrounding yourself with the right people, uh, rather than us go into that point, if you listen to episode two of the growth tribes podcast we talk about coaches and mentors and peer groups within that podcast that yeah. literally covers that entire topic so do plug into that if, if that point resonated with you and you feel like one of the parts for you to take regain control or tackle the fact that you don't want to have any mental health issues in a year's time two years time the peer group the coaches the mentors they really do change the world around you and help support you when you are rewriting your beliefs, um, because the people around you won't understand those beliefs um, that you're rewriting, because they will be, sometimes they may be different to the beliefs that, for example, in your household, your beliefs may be different to those people now because you're rewriting them. So you're gonna need a few people around you to help guide you and support you through that. So listen to episode two, and we go into that in a hell of a lot of detail. Uh, just to add then, so I think a one way to wrap this last part, because a lot to process here, is I just wanna talk to and have a voice for an older person. Maybe you can come in and talk from a younger person's perspective about the concept of authenticity, because I think that's sort of oozing out of this last part of how to tackle this, is being authentic, being real, don't bullshit, be yourself. So for the older generation, that, that can be tough for a different reason to the younger generation. If you're 40, 50, 60 years of age and you've molded yourself in a certain way and now that that needs to change or you feel that wants to change because you are feeling some anxiety some stress or mental health whatever label you want to give it to change who you are can be difficult because people already perceive you a certain way and i would say to the older generation quite frankly and, and it might be the same message for the younger ones i'd be interested to see what you say is who gives a you know who gives a sh whatever language you want to put against that i said this to my daughter recently i said it doesn't matter do you care about who you are yes do you love yourself yes then who cares what other people think so i think if you're 50 55 60 65 and you're like oh my gosh you're asking me to rewire myself redefine myself 
No, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm saying, actually, if you want to have a different experience of life, that means you are going to have to look inside. And it may mean that you've got to rewire who you are as a person so that you can experience the world differently as a person. So you can see the world differently as a person. And that might mean letting go of certain friendships. It might mean realizing that it doesn't matter what other people think about you because ultimately you are amazing. And why not live the world in that space? And the right people will hang around you and the wrong people will disassociate themselves from you anyway. Don't worry about their judgment. Just be yourself. So for the older ones, it's about dusting yourself down and reinventing yourself. And that will mean new associations, new friends and new beliefs. So it's okay to have that experience as an older person. Over to you for the young ones. What do they challenge? What's the face the challenge they face, Harminda, if they're young and they're suddenly having to be real of who they are? It's very similar to the older generation, but with a slight twist, which is the challenge we face massively as my generation is the inputs that we receive from social media. And those inputs mean we're con constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Right. So I'm going to leave out my generation with an actionable point, which is if you are going to use social media, use it in a conscious way, which means block some time in your day to use it. How do you know if, how do you know if you're doing this at the moment versus not doing this now? So if every time you pick up your phone, you find yourself clicking on one of the social media app buttons, then you have an issue, which is over time is going to lead to some form of mental health issue on the spectrum at some, some, some point in time. We just don't know when, and we don't want that to be the case. So the way I do it personally is I will block some time out. So I know it's a useful tool and I love connecting with people out there in the world. And I do love to see what people are up to, um, not from a place of competition or comparison, but from a place of, wow, it's really cool to see what other people are up to. Nothing more complicated than that. So the way to do this is say, right, I'm going to give myself a 15 minute block in the morning. I'm going to give myself half an hour at lunchtime and I may have a social scroll for about 20 minutes in the evening. So if you have that conscious effort on block blocks in your social media activity, believe me, over time, things will shift. Now, how to make this a reality? Being a, owning a digital marketing company, no benefit to me by you doing this. So this is coming to you from a place of, mm. I just want you not to ha fall very, into this challenge. Very true. I would simply delete the apps. I would delete every app off your phone, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and go for seven days without the app. Okay. Seven days without the app. See if you can manage that. And <laughs> I, <laughs> that's going to be interesting. And road and road doesn't notice, but I've done this myself personally. So me and my wife, we challenged each other said, damn, we are every time we pick up the phone, we are using social media. And that's when we know we had an issue because that's a type of an addiction. We just said, right, let's delete the apps. And when we reinstall the apps, we found ourselves not having to click the button. We just broke the pattern, broke the habit. Yeah. So try it. If seven days is, is, is making you feel anxious already, maybe just try a weekend. Just yeah. try a weekend and say, this weekend, I'm deleting the apps. But the trick is you have to physically delete the apps because the temptation will be there to click it. They're designed that way. So without me going into that detail, I, my that's action a great, point is... That's a great action point. <laughs> yeah, just delete the apps. Um, I think, my, I think my, yeah. just adding to that, then my action point would be... Um, going on a, on a personal level is starting to be aware of 
any of the things I described earlier on. So if you're having a sense of stress, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, a lockdown, not wanting to talk to people, a disassociation with people, sense of apathy, which came up earlier as well, around something consistently, just for the next couple of weeks, whilst you're out and about doing the certain things you do, start to notice when those feelings come on or if they're on already, exactly which areas of your life are they happening? Because I can promise you if that's where they're happening, then by definition, it is a form of mental health, albeit it could be on a very, very small scale. I don't like the term, but that's how it's being labeled now in the media. So you've got to become aware of it. And only by becoming aware of it can you start to say, well, how can I address that? And that's where it's worth going back through this and having a listen to it. And it might be, if you said to me, well, what would be the next thing, Dr. Roll, on the back of that once I've identified it? I would say go and have, quote unquote, a conversation with the appropriate person. So for example, if it's a parental thing and it's pressure from your parents, have that conversation. And parents, if you're sensing it in your kids and you're listening to this, and, and if you're kids and you want your parents to listen to this, get them to listen to this, is have a chat with your children. Say, look, I've noticed this about you at the moment. I've noticed that you're closing down. I noticed that you're not so engaged at the moment. Are you okay? I listened to this amazing podcast the other day and I've become aware of something I wasn't aware of before. So that's something to be aware of. It might be you have to go and talk to a teacher. You can't go talk to social media, but you could do what Harminda's just suggested there, which you just cut the social media out completely and notice how you feel differently. And it does need more than just a few days. It needs at least a week because you need to go through that withdrawal process. Any addiction takes a period of time to go through yeah, the withdrawal yeah. process. But I think at this stage, without overloading you, awareness followed by a conversation. That's all I would leave them with, Harminda. Okay. And that is, uh, so we, again, we're giving the left brain and the right brain action points to go take away. So this is epic. This has been a long one again. I know. And our intention for, if you're listening at home, me and Ro, when we started this podcast, we said, right, we're going to make this a 20 minute podcast. And we've said that every podcast so far. I <laughs> just don't think. There's just, too much inside us. And because part of the concern share. is, are we giving you, you know, we're overloading you, but the feedback we're getting from the podcast is people are loving the engagement. So hence they're, they're the length they are, I guess. For sure. And, and you, you can pause it, play it, pause it, play it, rewind it. Um, we've got the show notes as well at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. So you don't have to necessarily remember everything, but all we want is one shift, one positive outcome. Yeah, that's true. So on that note, Ro, are we good to sign out? We are. Thank you everyone for listening for what's been a very sensitive subject. And if you've got anyone that remotely you think would benefit from it, I'm just going to say this genuinely, have them listen to it. If you're a parent, maybe have your children listen to it. If your kids, ask your parents to have listened to it. It's a subject that they can observe and listen rather than they're engaged with you. And sometimes observational listening triggers a response that gets a positive re result as well. On the back of that, that is myself and Dr. Rose signing out. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level to help your life maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future. You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. 
Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast. Podcast.